Hello. You're listening to Mock Footage. These two pals really like movies, but one of them hasn't seen very many, okay? Our hosts won't be using any nasty language, so you can share this with your grandma. And they will be discussing major plot details, so here's your dang spoiler warning. Hi, hi everybody. Hello, and welcome back. My name is Joe Langlois, and this week we are discussing Clueless. My name is Ray Giroso, and despite the name, I am in fact clue-filled. Clueful. I'm clueful. Welcome. You have some clues. You've seen this movie once before, correct? I have. All right. When was that? At least five to six years ago. I okay. In in college, for sure. What do you think happens in it? Paul Rudd is there. Yeah. And he's the brother to a young Reese Witherspoon, uh, who is a popular girl, and then she she's in a clique. And, okay. So Reese Witherspoon's character, Marsha, is a popular girl in high school, and she's super rich, and she doesn't think about anything aside from herself and her popularity and richness. But uh, through... Throughout the course of the movie, she makes new friends, uh, learns to trust people that are below her class, and she becomes a better person for it, and she becomes, uh, is there a term for a renaissance woman? Is it renaissance woman? Yeah. A renaissance woman. Uh, and... So she starts, like, doing art and inventing things? Yeah. And, uh, through the egging on of her stepbrother slash lover, Paul Rudd... Uh, she becomes a better person for it, and so there's just like an item from the start, and everyone's cool with that. No, they become an item. Okay. Uh, and there she becomes clueless. She goes from clueless to clueful. I see. She gets some clues. Yeah, she gets some clues about the world, and she solves the world's mystery. Um. So. What, what, Marsha? Marsha was her name? Yeah. Marsha and what was Paul Rudd's character's name? David. David. Marsha and David are step-siblings, and they start dating, and everyone's okay with that? I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you right here and now, I'm not. <laughs> Still a little <laughs> weird. Still a little strange to me. It's, it's kind of weird. It's also, weird. he's in college. Oh, he's, oh, he's a, he's a college boy. He's a college, not a um, bad, he's a nerd. He's an absolute nerd. What do you mean by Marsha starting to, I guess, interact with people below her class, like mm-hmm. of, of different circles, or, or what do you mean? Yeah, so, you know how in like a lot of 80s and 90s movies, there's like a, a trope of like three girls who become friends, yeah. usually two of them were already friends, and the third one comes in, and that's... And they create a new group dynamic, whereas one is kind of the leader, but not really. Yeah. That's what happens here <laughs> with Marsha, uh, who be- befriends a, sh- a shy punk girl named Martha. Marsha and Martha. Mm-hmm. And also, uh, the, 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 the thing is, they, they weren't all friends. They all become friends. Uh, through sheer willpower. That's yeah. No, what happens? What brings them together? Come on, give me a plot. (laughs) I'm trying. Sorry. Um. So, 
Oh god, I made two M names that sound so similar. Marsha is in class, uh, and she's doing a presentation, and she does a really bad job, and then Martha makes a comment, and they just kind of share, like, this, oh, are they gonna fight, are they not? It's a will-they-won't-they situation, but about (laughs) fighting. Um, And then at lunch, they have a confrontation, and then uh, Martha essentially calls... Marsha clueless which like is finally like rings in her head for some reason now and then that begins the journey of becoming a better person i see and then along the way so linda (laughs) it's it sounds like Marsha's quest is kind of for whatever reason she decides that she needs to win the affection of martha like because martha thinks poorly of her maybe this yes. is the first time she's ever been directly challenged yes it is aside from okay. her teachers who are kind of apathetic yeah but teachers are lame they always you know no no none of the teachers really understand right mm-hmm. no. no they don't um so maybe Marsha thinks that this girl martha is kind of cool in her own way but uh, she's still like a middle class girl right she doesn't have um why would she be better than me if I'm I'm better than her? Exactly. It, and it's a weird dynamic she has in her head and she can't reconcile it because it's a silly dynamic to have. And so in this uh, journey of self-growth and self-discovery, she also wins the affection of David, her stepbrother. Uh-huh. Okay. I don't really want to linger on that, but... I don't really have a whole lot of a plot. It sounds like a character-centered movie, and there's only three characters so far. Do you have anything else for me, or do I need to ask you questions about David? Yeah, I got it. No, I got a couple more things, actually. Uh, there's Portia, who is the third friend, and she, like... Wait, 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 wait. So you have Marsha, Martha, and Portia? Yes. Okay. Go on. And Portia's the third friend, and she, like, hangs out a bit with uh Marsha <laughs> I did this <laughs> I did this to me uh I'm my own enemy don't trust anyone not even yourself Joe um so Portia is kind of friends with Marsha they kind of hang out in the same circles a little bit and Portia's kind of like turns turns to sense faster because she's kind of new to the school, and mm-hmm. they start hanging out, and she is, like, their parents are, like, quote-unquote friends, but they're, like, business-savvy partners that, like, don't do it. They sit around and lounge and drink wine and laugh mm-hmm. and ignore their children and their growth and behaviors. Um, but Portia turned out mostly okay, and so uh, supports Mar- Marsha in this endeavor of self-growth and fulfillment. What does that look like? What does the self-growth and fulfillment look like? What what new activities or uh, thought patterns or whatever come to light? You say she becomes a renaissance woman. What, is, what does that look like exactly? Well, she starts painting. Excuse me. And she paints a beautiful image of an egg. Why does it have to be an egg, right? Because it's my favorite line talks about an egg, and I was thinking about eggs. <laughs> Your favorite line talks about an egg? Yeah, in this movie, it talks you wanna, about. You want to skip forward to that? Tell me what the egg line is. Um, it's 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 
It's a silly conversation between David and Marsha, where David's like, you're uh, soft and weak like an egg, and then Marsha comes back and is like, nah, I'm an egg, I'm hard-boiled. That's your... I, I mean, I, I... No accounting for taste, That's a, but that sounds like one of the less well-crafted lines in the movie. Yeah, that's kind of the point. Okay, I see, I see. It's... It's it's one of the early ones where she doesn't know anything yet, uh-huh. and she's saying some weird, like, not... She's trying to be cool. She's trying to be cool, but she's not, and she thinks she is, and she thinks and she that thinks, she just outbeat uh... him, and he just kind of, like, snickers and walks away, and yeah. eats a snickers also. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, okay. I know, I know that at least, there's got to be at least one teacher in the mix who's kind of an important character. Can you tell me about them? Mm-hmm. Mr. Paul, who is the history teacher, who is the one the one to notice that uh, Marsha is like improving in her mm-hmm. classes and is like genuinely learning, and has a conversation with her about what's changed, and it's a very nice moment of like uh, a student like genuinely trying to improve themselves and learn, and the teacher actually supporting them and like learning about them a little bit because. Sure. Uh, Mr. Paul, who was the teacher, just kind of assumed that she was just n- not gonna care because her family's rich and she'll 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 succeed no matter what. Right, she'll skate by, yeah. Mm, but um, is genuinely happy that she's taking these steps towards. What's betterment. the? I guess what's the conflict here? Like, it sounds like she is bad but has everything, and then decides to be good instead and works on that. And that's, that's great. Like I'm, I'm here for it. That's but it. That's lose? the movie. It's a character movie. The conflict comes from her. Okay. The inciting incident is talking to Martha and realizing why, like, why is why are things like this? It's a shakeup of her worldviews, of her paradigm of the of society. I see. Um, were there any running gags or anything like that that were fun? Any references? They keep talking about other... going to the mall and okay. shopping, but they never do. Okay, there's no shots at the mall. There's no shots at the mall. They just okay. keep talking about, yeah, we totally need to go next week. I was like, I'm going tomorrow. Do you want to come? And they're like, yeah, but we never get those scenes. We never, okay. <laughs> okay. Um, I guess one other thing that I can look into because of when this movie came out uh, is just some... Uh, what kind of music? What kind of music is on the soundtrack for this flick? I mean, you know, it's... It's like Madonna, it's Cindy Lauper, it's a little oh. Whitney. Okay. When did this movie come out? Uh, 80s, 89? Okay. Yeah. Probably the same time every other movie came out that we've watched. Okay. <laughs> um, 92? Uh, what's what's David's deal? Is he, is he anything? No, he's a very slightly nerdy college dude who lives with his uh parents still and he resents it a little bit because he doesn't want to be supported by rich folk he's 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 what the 90s would call woke but he's just like a college kid okay broke broke no no woke (laughs) all right uh we already found out what your favorite line is it's about her saying that she's hard-boiled like eggs are maybe Maybe she's into detective movies. I think her and David watch detective movies together. Okay, but okay. That's it. 
That's fun. Are you okay with them <laughs> getting together? Still no. Still no, yeah, me neither. But that's the uh, thing that happens in the actual movie, isn't it? Yeah. Or am I remembering it wrong? Let's, let's watch it again and see oh, how we God. feel about it. <laughs> I, I want to make it clear for everyone that I do not agree to this. <laughs> let's go let's go give it a watch. Okay. Thank you for joining me here in the popcorn zone. It's everybody's favorite time, the time where I get to read some words from our supporters. This week we are being supported by two of the podcasts here on Lunar Light Studio. We're looking at Artificial Ghost Radio and Badvertising. First, Artificial Ghost Radio is a Sisyphean music recommendation podcast hosted by Quizkeeper Miles Lazarus and Tomb Dweller Mars Garbayo. Every other week, they challenge each other to find songs based on completely arbitrary themes and discuss them while making goofs along the way. Then they spin... To talk about a random song from the Challenger's library. Any song. You can find Artificial Ghost Radio every other Saturday on LunarLightStudio.com and wherever else you might find your podcasts. Go give it a listen. That's Artificial Ghost Radio for a casual and fun look at music. Next is Badvertising. Badvertising is a podcast wherein the hosts are ad executives who take your favorite brands and then create a product with a viral ad campaign that will be sure to end in failure. Hosted by Penny Parker, Blue Lennox, and Haley Rose, and airing every other Monday on Lunar Light Studio or wherever else you might get your podcasts. Badvertising. Your dissatisfaction guaranteed. And uh, I would particularly want to direct you to the most recent episode of Badvertising when this episode comes out, uh, episode 31, I believe, where I joined them for the day and helped them revamp Facebook and make it new again. Uh, And if that sounds like a terrible idea to you, it is. Don't worry. So go ahead and listen to Badvertising and let them know what you think. All right, looks like the popcorn is all good and set for you, so I'll just give that over to you, and you can enjoy the rest of the episode. Enjoy. Uh, Okay, we just watched Clueless. We did. We just watched Clueless at 1.25 times speed. We did, which I think made it better. I think so, too. It the pacing was excellent. The pacing was really good. <laughs> um, how do you feel, Ray? I feel totally clueless, and I'm totally bugging right now. Um, that's classic, is what I would have to say about that. All right, thanks for joining us for this episode of Footage. <laughs> thanks so much, everybody. You were uh, a joy to behold, even though you're listening to us. Thank clueless, you. Clueless is a movie about... Cher, a high school girl who lives in the valley in L.A. Or does she live in the valley? I don't know. I don't know She what. lives in Beverly Hills? Some, yeah, she lives in rich California. Um, and she is popular and rich and has a best friend, Dion. And uh, then a new girl comes to school 
and she turns this new girl into her project uh, and gives her a makeover and everything. And she's got not a stepbrother, an ex-stepbrother. Uh, uh-huh. Because they their parents divorced, but he still hung around. Uh, this is Paul Rudd's character. He still hung around because Cher's dad is a lawyer and he's going to become a lawyer. So he's helping him out with stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, like that's... I, I kept trying to pull a plot out of you in the first half of this episode, but there really isn't one. <laughs> Cher just, Cher just goes on a personal growth, growth journey. And... Um, uh, not just her, like all all, all, all the, the characters, characters. kind of change and, and grow a little bit over the course of the movie. And uh, that's that's just all it is. It's a teen romantic comedy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so what do you want from me? Uh, and, and Cher and Josh over the course of the movie realize that, that they have fallen in love with one another. Um, that's that's it. Uh, so what did you think, Ray? How do you, how do you, uh, what's your big reaction to it right now? Do you know how you watch a movie and you can't tell if it was good or bad? Yeah, that's how I felt for the first, I, I would say th- half of it or so. I And then you're like, oh, this is good. And you're like, oh, this is a cult classic, isn't it? Yeah. And then I just got completely sucked in. If, if nothing else, it's an amazing time capsule. It is an incredible oh, time it's, capsule. It's a good 90s. It's yeah. such a good 90s. Yeah, it came out right right in the middle, 95, and just all of it. Oh, my. Mm-hmm. Toe to tip. It's it's a 90s movie. <laughs> it did have Cindy Lauper in it. You, it you did, did have that. Cindy. <laughs> and a bunch of other very good music. Mm-hmm. Including uh, Mighty Mighty Boston's just in concert in the movie. Mm-hmm. At a at a frat bro party, which mm-hmm. looked more like a club. <laughs> it really looked like a club. Yeah. Uh, I've been to a club. Don't tell people. I have to hold an image. <laughs> um, of not going to a club? What? It's a public place. I'm clueless. Um, so, I in between our recordings, because we do the first half, watch a movie, and then do this, I was looking at Clueless Info, and it's their 25th anniversary this year, and it's going to be in theaters. Oh, really? I'm pretty sure that's what I read. And I I'm might like, want to go watch it again in theaters, but I don't know if I could handle it at one time speed. I know. <laughs> I mean, it didn't... F- the worst part is 1.5 felt like 1. 1.25. Yeah, 1. no, I got used to it very quickly, and it, it felt good. But like, And honestly, it because of the density of the jokes, like they felt like they were just like rapid fire, like one after another. I wasn't done laughing at one before the next one hit, uh-huh. um, which in, enhanced the experience for me, because there's a lot of really good jokes in this movie. Uh, what's great about this movie is that the characters... So the, and they make mention of this, the teens go to a uh, high school and they all speak like, quote unquote, adults. They, <laughs> yeah. they all speak like highly intelligent college students, but also they're teens. So they're just goofing off. Yeah. And that dichotomy is amazing. Yeah. that the, I think that's kind of best exemplified by the scene where uh, Cher and Josh are watching Ren and Stimpy. Mm-hmm. And Cher says, Ren and Stimpy is very existential. And Josh is like, do you even know what you're talking about? And she's like, no. Why? Do I sound like I do? <laughs> like, and that, 
if, if that's not a mood. This is so good, yeah. <laughs> the thing about this movie is that it's it's pretty straightforward. There's not a lot of conflict aside from personal conflicts that the characters make for themselves. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. It what really makes it the is the one liners and the conversations that they all have. Yeah, and it's right now I can't remember any of it, but I know it was good. It's weirdly real. Like it just feels it just feels like it it was ripped from conversations that people had with their friends in high what, school or whatever. What did you say? But who who were we? We were Sharon. Oh, Sharon, we were Sharon Dion. Dion. <laughs> yeah, you and I have a. I think we can have a similar relationship to Sharon Dion. I don't know. Like, I wouldn't assign either of us to either of them. I think it's just the same. Energy. We take the role when we need it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. It was funny. I. I I think it was the the mannerisms and speech that the characters had, especially Cher. I really enjoyed Cher yeah. as a character. Yeah, big big fan. Despite how clueless she is, and like you kind of get some of like where that is coming from toward mm-hmm. the end of the movie. Like it's not like the whole movie spends a lot of time just building her up as a ditz with a credit card, and then she directly challenges that at the end of the movie. Like, mm-hmm. there's more to her than that. And she gets robbed. Like, she just gets she gets straight robbed up at- <laughs> held up at gunpoint in the middle of the movie. And it gets completely passed over. And then she brings it up later. Like, I did get held up at gunpoint. And everyone, like, brushes it aside. And it's, I don't know. It, I I think it's it's good how the, the movie is well-crafted. Like, it, it, mm-hmm. it things that you you don't expect it to remember or mention or talk about it. It does. Yeah. I legit started tearing up a bit when she joined the save the beach thing. Okay. I'm like, personal growth for my girl. Yeah. I felt that she, she felt like she was in the right place, you know? Yeah. It felt like she finally found a place where she wanted to be and where she belonged. And that was helping people, which she was doing the whole time for selfish reasons, and she talks about it, and mm-hmm. the characters talk about it, and then she gets here and she decides to do the selfless thing just because. Just because. And because she had been kind of influenced by Josh, mm-hmm. um, and that's a two-way street. Like that That's what I actually really like about this movie, is that all of the character growth throughout the movie is inspired by another character having them having an effect on whoever is changing. Like every, everyone who changes is because of their interactions with somebody else. It's not, it's never completely self-driven. Um, like, and and like at the beginning of the movie, Josh is set up as a foil to share because he's like more down to earth and he's more intellectual and he's perhaps a little snide. Like one of the first scenes that he's reading Frederick Nietzsche in all black clothes and sunglasses sitting by the pool in California and it's sunny out. And he's like, you know, set up to be this super like intellectually superior guy. And then kind of halfway through the movie, uh, Josh, it's when he, he goes to pick up Cher after she's been mugged and his like college girlfriend is in their in the car with them. And now she's like, She's like kind of it's just a side character, but she's being in that role now as Josh is moving more and seeing more of where Cher is coming from and thinking of her less uh, less of just like a character. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
I think as the movie goes forward, the people in the movie become less and less of just characters and more and more of like fully fledged people. And that's that's really cool. Yeah, that's that is cool. I didn't think about it like that. Good job, Joe. I I'm blown away. Like when this movie started, I was like, uh, and I and I know that like she dates her ex stepbrother and she's 16 at the end of the movie and it's like just enough steps removed from the worst thing but it's still like why would you want to get as close to something creepy as possible and that Mm. all feels gross and they drop the r word a couple of times yeah um but if you take all that away the there's very good character relationship yeah very good wholesome moments in the movie wholesome moments and i i genuinely enjoy the ride i was laughing pretty consistently like i i it holds up i think whenever they were in the classroom i'm like this is a high school classroom this is how high school feels like Mm -hmm. and it just hit me real hard every time i really enjoyed the freeway scene yep the freeway scene was a hundred percent choice yeah, that one, that was, it was a little over the top and a little bit like, okay, this is a movie, but it was still funny. It was, it was still really funny. Yeah. Like, like I, I got pulled out of it a little bit, but I get what they were going for and what it meant for the character. That's the thing is like when, when the movie strays into being a movie and like not just a, like a, a snapshot of real life, it, it does so to kind of just exaggerate something that is very real and relatable, even if it's not 100% realistic. So like somebody being nervous about driving and that's kind of a through line of the movie and uh, struggling with learning how to drive. Like that's, that's relatable. And they, they push it over the edge to kind of like to heighten it. And that's, there's nothing wrong with that. That's, it's it's a dang movie. Dang. It's a movie. Um, I have two things I'd like to talk about. The um, Snickers bar. Oh, that's one of them. <laughs> the Snickers bar. I called Snickers somehow. And Cher... So there's some scenes in the movie where Cher has an inner monologue and telling us what's going on and what her thoughts are. And at some point, the camera pans down to a Snickers bar and she's like, mm, Snickers. And then keeps going. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which, oops. The, the thing I actually wanted to talk about, though, was... Did they ever go... They did go to a mall... They, they did, did go to a mall. Yeah. A couple of times. A couple of times. Darn. Uh, and then the third thing, I am curious about the PBCU with Wallace Shawn being involved in the last two movies that we've done now. The Princess Bride Cinematic Universe. Yes. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for, for stomping on that. What no, do you want to talk the, about? Mr. Hall or whatever his name is is a completely different character than Vizzini. Is he? Yes, he's a sweet man. He's a he's good a teacher. Sweet man and a good teacher. He works yes. a thankless job. He really does. He tries so hard and is real with their grades. That was like a whole inciting incident that Cher couldn't make him budge on her C in debate class. Which mm-hmm. I never had a debate class. That was an extracurricular for us. Yeah. I wish we had a debate class so I could be better at arguing with my friend Joe here on this podcast about whether or not a movie made us <laughs> like it or not. 
Uh, you're plenty good at arguing with me, I think. I agree. <laughs> um, what about Travis? Rebuttal! Oh, okay, hurry. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, continue. <laughs> what about Travis? I like Travis. Travis, that was, that was skateboard guy, yeah? Yeah, skateboard guy. And he, like... He's, He's like so... a stoner, but he like cleans up at the end of the movie, and like it's implied that he joined Narcotics Anonymous, and it's like okay, cool. I really like Travis throughout the entire movie. He's very wholesome, and his yeah. small bits in the classroom where he, the teacher just gives him the floor. It <laughs> yeah, that felt very movie to me. Yeah, but it was still really funny. It was it was really good, yeah. Like the the teachers like calling out how many tardies each of the students have, and he's like Travis, um, thirty eight tardies, and then Travis goes up and like gives a little speech, and he's like, and and this also I think was really good. Like, okay, his speech is uh something like I I want to thank everyone that helped me get these tardies, such mm-hmm. as my parents for never giving me a ride, and the bus driver for you know like whatever, and it's like. This is a joke, and it's played off as light and funny, which this movie does with a lot of things, mm-hmm. and not in a way that's disrespectful of the real problem, which is, like, yeah, part of the reason that Travis is late all the time is because he is not privileged in the way that Cher is. Right. And Cher, in that scene, has two uh, tardies, which she argues down to one tardy on her record, which, again, yes. is a is a product of her privilege. Um, and I think the movie does interesting stuff like it's it's definitely lampshading uh it's not like actually calling anything any of the privileged dynamics in this movie a problem mm-hmm. but um it's at least shedding light on them it and addresses them in it addresses some them in facet. an interesting way yeah whether or not that's good or bad well you know that's up to what the movie's trying to accomplish i think the movie's not yeah the movie's just trying to have a good time and i think it does that yeah, but it sets up the setting and environment in a slightly realistic world, mm-hmm. which was yeah, nice. every every once in a while, there's just like like the I didn't think that the Pismo Beach disaster relief was going to be a plot point. Uh-huh. And I thought like when she, when it first comes up, it's just a shot of Cher's face and she's thinking and she narrates about the Pismo Beach disaster. And you laughed really. Hard. I laughed because like it's just like this very real, very grounded thing back-to-back with all of these, like, flighty and inconsequential thoughts, I guess, and and, and activities that are going on. It's it, it, it's perfect. It, it perfectly encapsulates high school in that it constantly bounces back between feeling very real and very adult and feeling very childish and light. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Speaking of adults and childish, what, how do you feel about the parenting relationship that Cher has with her father? Yeah, who she's is constantly working. Constantly working, not taking care of his body at all. And Cher's the one taking care of Cher him. Cher is taking care of him. Like, and making sure that he's eating right and making sure that he's not overworking. Um, but he still keeps tabs on her. Yeah, they, they all keep tabs on each other. Uh, yeah, it's I, the. You said that you almost teared up at the at what part? The when she was heading the the beach disaster. Right, you campaign, said that you almost campaign. you almost teared up when she was heading the beach disaster relief. I almost I started to tear up a little bit when 
she kind of had that heart to heart with Mel, with her dad. That was that was also very good. Um, it's it's like it's very straightforward, and it's not really surprising. Uh, and anything in this movie, I guess, but it's still I don't know. It still hits hits home for me, and I can see why. Like when we were getting ready to watch, it, I'm like, I'm not sure this is gonna hold up. Like I'm I'm a little worried about it, but after watching it and talking about it, I'm just jazzed about it. I think it's a good flick. Yeah, I I'm I'm gonna be I'm gonna tone it down real quick and be real with y'all. I was not ready to record a podcast today. <laughs> yeah. Was not feeling it. Was there not was... vibing. I was telling Joe how anxious I was about doing Clueless today. Um, I'm good. I'm fine. It it revitalized <laughs> both of us. I think in a good way. Yeah. The this movie had a not a good energy, but there was a positive energy to it. I okay. Think. Like additive positive. Yes. Yes. Because I still don't know if it's good. I'm I'm wrestling with that. I enjoyed it. It was a good yeah. movie. You know, I need to find more adjectives to 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 describe things. Well, how about this? How about we answer a question instead, Ray? Uh, without the lens of nostalgia, which I have, uh, I, I this movie makes me think of my sister because she made me watch it when I turned thirteen. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. And the, and the um. Like Paul Rudd is always playing Radiohead, and that's her favorite band. And so, like, I got I got some connections to this movie despite not being super familiar with it. Um, but I have a lens of nostalgia. I'm always gonna love this movie. What about you? Do you think it's worth watching, even if you don't have those roots? I think so. I think if you're grounded in the '90s, yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah if you're if you're of a certain age uh and i think we're probably towards the floor of that age yeah this might <laughs> ring ring good in your ears if you uh if you're around that but i don't know i'm not a 30 year old i don't know if this would be a good movie for 30 year olds i think it, I'm, what i'm saying is i think that anyone older than us could probably enjoy it i think getting uh, younger than us is probably yeah here w- let me rephrase i'm not a 12 12- I'm not an 18-year-old. I don't know if I would like this movie if I was an 18-year-old. Mm-hmm. I might just want to floss. Yeah, I don't I don't know how to floss, and that's how I know I'm old. So I don't know if I would like this movie. Because Cher doesn't floss. Cher does... Well, that's that's right. This is from the 90s, before, before flossing existed. Uh... <laughs> if this movie was made today, Travis would be just be playing Fortnite on his phone in class. And then when they're at the dance club uh, frat party, everyone would be flossing and dabbing. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Oh God, I'm hurting myself internally by saying those words. I'm glad we this movie go. was made when it was. <laughs> we gotta go. <laughs> we gotta get out of here. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at mock footage. You can send an email to mockfootage at gmail dot com. You can suggest what movies we should watch. This one was uh from a poll. We were trying to decide whether to do this or go back into the Alien series right away. Um but that's gonna be next week. We're gonna do Alien three next time. So get ready for that. Um thank you so much to Ryan Chong no I'm gonna say Chongo. Thank you so much to Ryan. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much to Chango for the use of Hat of Serenity off of the album Hat Shop. You can find that on Bandcamp, and we use it at the end of the episodes. 
Thank you to Haley Rose for the introduction. Thank you to Ross Sherson for the creation of our cover art. And thank you, Ray, for watching Clueless with me. Thank um, you. Listener, beware. You're in for a scare. If you <laughs> would be so kind, please leave some feedback. Um, the show has been growing quite a bit recently, and we've taken note of that. And we want to hear what you new listeners have to think. Leave a review on iTunes. Leave some feedback on Pinecast. Um, we'd really appreciate it, your kind words. And we definitely appreciate you listening to the show. So thanks for thanks for coming around, and we hope you continue to enjoy the ride. Um, I'd like to add a couple things. To okay, what Joe hit said. me. Um, that's great if you leave a review on Pinecast and iTunes and stuff like that. Uh, if you don't have access to that, let us what you know on Twitter, because um, we'll definitely see that for sure. Yeah, and we'd love to hear what you think. So let us know what you think, what movies you want us to check out, because we're kind of expanding our horizons on what movies we're doing yeah. now. Because I have seen Clueless at least half before. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, just get on there, tweet at mock footage, tell us what you think, what your favorite bits are. Mine is still see you in hell space, uh, that one. See you in space, hell cowboy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would like to say that we do have a new review on iTunes. Oh, do on we? Apple. We do. Oh, hit me, hit me, hit me. Uh, it came in on Wednesday by Lesbian Scully. Uh, good vibes all around, five stars. I only just started listening to this show, but it's quickly become one of my favorite podcasts. It's made me more interested in movies that I originally hadn't planned on watching, and Ray and Joe's commentary on the movies is delightful. Aw, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lesbian Scully. You're uh, doing the thing we want, where we want to share of media. Exiles. You're making me think of Exiles, which also makes me think of my sister, who likes this movie. Aw. <laughs> You're, we're Thank you, Janine. Media. Thank you, Janine. If you listen to this, <laughs> uh, you're doing the the whole conceit of the this podcast, which is sharing media with good friends and 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 just kind of I don't know, being good to each other. Yeah. And do we do that? Uh, sometimes. Usually sometimes. on this show. <laughs> we try to Only keep it together. Only on this show. <laughs> Only on this show. We're garbage to each other in GNH. <laughs> <laughs> we're so nasty to one another. <laughs> Um, okay, uh, thank you once more, Ray, for watching this movie with me. What was your favorite line? I don't know. I think I'm going to start saying totally bugging. I'm totally bugging right now. I'm totally bugging. Yeah, at least for a week or so. Lunar Light Studio. Pretty, witty, and gay. Hey, Reed. Hey, Brittany. Hey, all of you out there in podcast land. This is What You Call It. A podcast about life, liberty, and the pursuit of nerdiness. Here's what people are saying about it. Oh, have you heard of the What You Call It? Hey, that, that is my favorite podcast it is right now. so good. It is better than a tater tot hot dish. Well, I can't believe that for a second. You know, it's one of those big Midwest fancy things. A Midwest fancy thing? Yeah, I don't know what that is, but okay, yeah, that's but what yeah. it is. <laughs> you're gonna love it, though. Oh, you're have, just gonna love have it. Have you heard Brittany talk about being from California? Oh, have you heard Reed talk about being from the Midwest? Well, I never. And for crying in the soup, for would you just listen to the, the show? Soup. Don't take their word. Take a listen to the show. Yeah, blah, blah. We're the show. And remember, folks. Your belly button is your old mouth. Listen from LunarLightStudio.com.